Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is UXK. 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 I'm your host, Lee Allen Arredondo. Have you ever had a meeting with a stakeholder or a client who you thought you were in alignment with, and after the meeting, you thought, what the heck just happened in there? Well, it happened often enough to Morag Johnston and her teams that she's created a website dedicated to the problem of understanding client dynamics called understandingclients.com. Morag is a digital strategist and a leadership coach at Effective by Design in Toronto, Canada. And she joined me for a conversation about how to have more effective UX outcomes through understanding client dynamics. And she shared some of the specific techniques that she uses to do this. When we talk about the client, that isn't just for consultants. If you're working in a company, your stakeholders are your clients. And I just wanted to mention that because I'm not sure everyone initially sees it that way. But it's really important to think about internal stakeholders as clients. We have to remember that each of the people working on any given project have needs that they need met. And that's kind of the key to this discussion. Paying attention to the people and the relationships in a project is just as important as the user needs and business requirements if you want your project to be as successful as possible. Well, thanks, Morag. I want to thank you very much for joining me on UX Cake, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Great. Me too. This will be fun. Just, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about client dynamics and understanding them. And before we kind of launch into that, I would love to hear you talk about what does that mean, client dynamics? What does that mean? And, and how did you come to realize that you needed to do something to understand them better? Great. Sure. So as a designer, I think we spend a lot of time improving our toolkit and our ability to design great interfaces for our users. And we get really wrapped up in this user-oriented mindset, which is awesome, except we aren't working directly with users. We're working with clients and we need to express an empathy for where they're coming from if we want our designs to be realized. And the trigger for me in all this was my team members, when I was uh, running a group, would come to me after client meetings and they'd go, Morag, what the heck just happened in there? And I think we've all had that moment where you're in a meeting with a client and it seems like everything's going swimmingly. They're loving what you're presenting. And then the meeting goes sideways and they're talking about, I don't know, server downtimes or they're off on some obscure business requirement and you lose control of the meeting and you lose control of the outcome and you just think, how did that happen? And in dealing with those questions with my team, I thought this is something that I don't see written about very often and uh, feel we should should be covered because it's a really valuable tool for us as designers. Why is it so important for us to understand the client dynamics? What can happen if we don't understand those? Right. I think the main importance, one, is if you don't understand client dynamics and you can't connect with your clients, the odds are a lot lower that the end user experience that's delivered is not going to be what you've envisioned, right? They're going to take it and run with it in a different direction. 
Uh, and along those lines, if you're not communicating well and understanding where your clients are coming from, it's going to affect your business outcomes and the business outcomes for your client. And if you're working as an agency or in the consulting world, um, if you don't connect with your clients and deal with what they need, you're not going to get repeat business. For a lot of agencies, that's bottom line. And so you're saying that by developing empathy for our clients and understanding their needs, we'll actually see a better result in the end product? For sure. It's hard to get your client to buy into you, really, and your vision if you haven't demonstrated any ability to buy into their vision, right? That's that mutual understanding that I think is really important to achieving your outcome. To be clear, when you're talking about the client, I think sometimes we refer to the client as, you know, this one thing. Yeah, <laughs> this amorphous blob. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when actually, you know, like you're sitting in a room with five, six oh, yeah. people, you know, like yeah. multiple people on this team, right? So yeah. what does that mean to, to like understand the client or to be empathetic with the client? Is that every person on the team? Well, no. <laughs> Short answer, no. That's where uh, your racy comes in. I, I hope folks listening to this know what the racy is. But when you're looking at any team, it's who's responsible, accountable, consulted, informed, R-A-C-I. And you can add another letter in there. Sometimes it means specifically left out. And this is about the politics of getting things done rather than the day-to-day uh, -day work of getting the project done. And I, I know that for me starting out and for folks on my team starting out, they tend to think it's all about the work and there's a lot of influence and in sales that comes into play. So I'll say that. Uh, and yeah, when your clients come in and they first appear <laughs> like this great amorphous blob, uh, the racy will give you some idea of who they are and what they care about, their job titles, things like that. Those are the really obvious ones that tell you who you're dealing with and what the different personalities are, even, dare I say it, personas in the room. And you talk about creating personas of your clients um, to help build empathy. So, I, I mean, I've heard this referred to before, but I'd love to sort of dig into this a little bit more. Are there specific client personas that you've created that you fit new clients in? Into, or are you actually creating a persona for each project? I, I'm quite analytical and I run through criteria in my head as I go through. I have like three main sets of criteria I run through. And based on the outcome of that, that will slot them into a way that I can deal with them. Give me an example. What are the sets of criteria? Sure. So there's three main groups of criteria. One and most important is what the uh, that person in the room, what their personal investment is in the project. And I say that the RACI is uh, your official guideline to who is important in the room and how to deal with them. But after that, there's, you know, what's this person's personal investment? What's their ability to contribute to the project on a business level? And what's their ability to contribute to the project on a design level? So for example, if I was to get into their ability to contribute to the business aspect of the project, right? So everyone in that room has some mix of qualities around uh, core competency, whether it's finance, HR, uh, development, marketing, etc. So they have a core competency. And then they also have abilities in understanding how to run a business digitally. 
And for, I, I think, especially for people coming into digital business or digital UX now, they assume, well, of course, everyone knows how to do business online. It's, well, no, it's not true. Uh, one of my more recent clients had been working before they came to the organization I was at. They had been uh, working in finance for a chain of stores in Canada that are like a 7-Eleven would be in the States, right? So the digital presence for something like a 7-Eleven is pretty low. But so they were now involved in my projects and they didn't have much digital experience, but they had tons of experience in finance, right? Very senior finance person, but low digital business experience. I'm curious how this goes with your project teams. When you um, engage with a new client, are you like going to the meeting, the kickoff meeting, and then coming back and, and discussing the racy model and the personas and the people in the room? Uh, it, it tends to be an ongoing part of debriefing after a meeting. And I think what a lot of us, I think of a project I was uh, just finished up. When we come back, it happens in a very informal way, right? So you're trying to decide who's my primary client? Who do I absolutely need to deliver for? Who is a strong influencer on that primary client? And we get together as a team and talk about it. If you're working in a project team where you have a, and I'm thinking agency side is pretty structured this way, is you'll have a project manager, you'll have an account rep, right? And the account rep, the best ones, they know how to find out where the power lies and what the real objectives are. And then the project managers are very good at taking care of the rest and telling you who to, who to satisfy. But the main thing is that debrief. Uh, I was really lucky at the beginning of my career, I would be going to a meeting with my boss and on the drive over, he would go, okay, here's who we're meeting with. Here's my history with them. Here's their history with each other. Here's why this project even exists, right? What are the challenges? Why are they doing this? And then we'd get to the meeting, we'd go through the meeting and, you know, being a junior, I'd be very diligent on presenting my data. And then we'd leave the meeting and he would say to me, okay, here's what you thought happened. Here's what maybe really happened. Here's where it differed. When I had this conversation with so-and-so about this, this is what we were really talking about. So I think it's really important for more senior members of the team, the account reps, et cetera, to have that conversation with their team members to bring them all on the same page with the same understanding of how to work with clients. Yeah, and I think that is maybe even one area where that agency model can be at, an, at more of an advantage in that in that way than uh, like an in-house team or especially design embedded in product teams. And that typically means one designer. Sometimes you, you might get lucky and have a couple. How maybe would that translate I think it works really well to get people on your, your side as, as partners, whether that's the product manager or a dev, you know, like you get a dev buddy or, or a PM. And so maybe that might kind of be another way of getting that kind of dynamic that you're talking about. For sure. For sure. That's a really good point. I spent eight years in-house leading design teams and a big part of my role, more than I think I was comfortable with when I started, but a big part of my role was, I'm just going to say schmoozing. Yep. Relationship building is another way to put it. Yes. Relationship <laughs> building. We'll call it relationship building. 
and sometimes it's fun because you meet people that you really like and that becomes a, a mutually beneficial relationship. And there's some people who you may not like so much and they may have competing agendas to yours, but you, it's good to build that relationship to, to figure out how can we both achieve our ends. So if you're working as a sole designer, wow, hats off to you. You're going to be doing a lot of this work by yourself or you're going to find a buddy at another organization or working with another team in-house and having those kind of debriefs, right? To say, hey, what did you learn from your meeting? It's like, oh, I saw, you know, this person made a reference to, you know, their hope for an upcoming promotion or uh, this other project that's going on. So that tells me what they care about in this project. Did you have any moments like that when you were in your meeting? Yeah, for sure. When you're talking about creating these personas that are building these sets of criteria, it can be tricky to get the information that you need about someone's motivations or needs. On the user side, you know, we ask multiple questions and probing questions. So are there any techniques that you use to get the information that you need about the stakeholders? Well, the main one is to listen and watch. And that sounds really easy. It's kind of, well, duh, of course, Morag. But when you are more focused on the content of your presentation and selling a presentation, then you are listening to and responding to your client's questions. Things can go awry. I, uh, I play a lot of sports and I think of it as practice, right? So before you go out on the field or the court, you've got to know how to do a jump shot. You've got to know how to hit a backhand, all that kind of a thing. So that when you get out there, you're responding and you're strategizing in that moment. So if you're doing a presentation to your clients, the first thing you have to do is know your content backwards and forwards and present it well so that most of your focus can be on paying attention to what your clients are saying, not saying, doing not doing. Are there sets of questions that you typically bring to those? Um, to get at the key information, those would be if you've submitted a proposal or you've got an internal design brief, right? Then you're starting out with people telling you about the business objectives for the project, right? Why are we doing this? What's the impact you hope that it has? A question like that, which seems quite simple, will reveal a lot. So if your client answers back something like, yeah, we're looking for a lift of X percent because our current engagement rate or our current drop-off in the sales funnel is X, Y, Z, right? So there, that's someone who really knows digital business. They really know what their goal is. So I know who I'm dealing with there. And they've got a very clear corporate objective that ties to the bottom line. Oftentimes, you will get someone probably say, why are we doing this? What are the business objectives? They'll say, well, well, you know, our site looks kind of old and we think it now needs to be responsive and people need to be able to see it on their iPhone. Something like that, by the level of sophistication, I would say, digital sophistication of the answer, you know that you're dealing with someone who, uh, in that particular case, may not know much about digital side of the business and they don't have strong objectives and metrics that things are tied to. Just getting to those really basic objectives is is important. So it sounds like it has a lot to do with reading between the lines. What people are not saying sometimes is as important as what they are saying. It isn't like we're recruiting for usability tests, right? 
like, so we only want people on this project to have more than 10 years experience working in finance. Do you fit that criteria? Yes. No, sorry. You can't take part. Wouldn't that be great if we had screeners for clients? That would be awesome. awesome. (laughs) We certainly would would find out a lot beforehand, at least. For sure. For sure. (laughs) So how can people find out more about this method that you have for creating client personas? Well, thanks for that. Great lead in. I have a website I created called understandingclients.com where I've laid out the base of the ideas. There's a slideshow that goes with it and there's a video of the first time I presented it all available from that website. So whatever your primary method of taking information, I think they're covered. That would be a good place to start. That sounds perfect. I watched that presentation and I found it to be really helpful. And you go more into depth for anyone who's listening and thinks this might be an interesting sort of exercise for them to do. Go more into depth on those, those, the criteria that you are using. Yeah, it's tough to translate into podcast fare without... You know, just talking nonstop. (laughs) There are some visuals to go along with it. There are some visuals, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Are there any other resources sort of around this topic? There is someone doing some design research at Harvard around this, looking at the dynamics of teams. A lot of this is around uh, understanding how to influence people. And there's a classic book by Cialdini, C-I-A-L-D-I-N called How to Influence People, Ta-da! which is a wonderful primer for anyone looking to uh, to work on their ability to influence. So important in whether you're working with clients or whether you are, you know, working in a team situation, that's an important thing to learn. And there are certain techniques and practices that you can use to, to improve in that area. As we're getting to the end of this, I think that we we have time. I would love to do a mini mentoring brainstorm with you. Okay. So this is a question or a situation that I've gotten from a UX pro, and I'll explain it to you and get your thoughts on some suggestions maybe on what this person might do. Love it. So this person says, I did a UX design and research project for a product group a few months ago, and it was a little bumpy at first. They had a new exec who didn't really understand the process and who wanted to assert their opinion, adding things in all the time and questioning everything. Uh (laughs) That sounds familiar. Sounds familiar, yeah. (laughs) But it worked out well in the end and the team was happy with the results. Yay. So now I'm working with them again and this exec is less involved but just as frustrating to work with. For example, (laughs) in the last meeting, I mentioned that something they asked for might be difficult to pull off in the time allotted. And the exec said she could do it herself if she had to and then left the room, leaving everyone feeling uncomfortable. And I said something to smooth it over and we wrapped up the meeting. So the question is... Did she mention Microsoft Paint? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so the question is, do I keep smoothing over and ignoring the rudeness of this exec or is there something I should do or say to make them feel less threatened? Mm. So at this point, it sounds like they're still 
new. I have I'll, questions will come up as we go, but here's what's going on off the top of my head. That first project sounds very familiar to both of us. What they're trying to do, they've come in, they've got a new job, they feel they need, they need to prove themselves, right? I think we can all agree on that one. It also sounds like they don't have uh, much experience with a design process. That's what it sounds like. It just said process, but I'm guessing it's the UX process. Yeah. And this time less involved because probably they've figured out where this particular project fits in the overall hierarchy of projects and the do it, uh, their self, mm, that's an interesting one. Okay. So going back to the first part, if they're unfamiliar with the business process, given their influence, given what they're doing, if I were to look through my criteria, I would say at a personal level, they have some personal goals to achieve and they're not ready or willing yet to appear vulnerable. They either don't have the power base or the personal confidence to walk into a room and say, I don't know. Mm. That takes a lot of guts. So they're not there yet. What the right person could do, and it all depends on the politics of the organization, maybe it's this designer or someone on their team could do is send them an email, call them, text them, whatever, and say, look, we're going to be working together a lot. I'd love to take you through our process so that you understand where we're coming from and to do it in private. This person has no desire to be shown to not know anything in front of the rest of the group. So very important that the right person contacts them from the design team to say, I'd love to tell you how we do it. Not emphasizing on the how we do it, not you don't know what you're talking about, so I have to show you what it's what's being done. But you know, you could even go as far as to say how we do it is a little different than how other groups do it. So we'd like to take you through our method. You know, you're being diplomatic. You're giving them a private forum to display their lack of knowledge and ask questions. If they're smart, they will take you up on that. And I think that will go a long way to dealing with that vulnerability and the lack of knowledge. If on the other hand, they are getting a lot of pressure from outside because sometimes the hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I know what your process is. I know what your process is, but I just need to get it done. That's usually there's some sort of external thing going on, either related to that project where there's been a crazy deadline imposed or a crazy feature requirement imposed. Yeah. There's something going on that you can't see. And at that point, it's not a bad idea to step back and not step too far back, but say, I hear you're asking for this feature. We're telling you it takes a long time. It sounds from how the response I'm getting from you, it sounds like this is really, really important to you. And I not understanding why try and get to the root of what they're trying to achieve. And when you get to that root, you might actually find there's a different answer that you can do in the timeline. Or it ends up being so important that some other features that you thought you wanted to do should have their priority lowered. Right. Yeah. I mean, typically that is the conversation that you have to have, which is if this is the most important thing or if this is so important that it's a must have, let's look at what we could draw or let's talk about the timeline. It sounds like this person didn't really have a chance, maybe, mm-hmm. since the exec got up and left the room. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which, you know, which is interesting because it, it, it could tie into the fact that the executive is less involved. So this is lower on their list and they're leaving the meeting in the middle. They're not staying long enough to make sure it happens, right? Like to make sure that their outcome is realized there and they're walking off. So their priorities are shifted and I would want to get at the root of, you know, if they could just do it themselves. Or, you know, if that's just something that somebody says, clearly they're not actually going to try to do 
for themselves. They, unless they really don't have anything else to do, which I doubt. So yeah. And you could say, have at her. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> Good luck with that. Well, let me know how it goes. <laughs> well, and so this person said something else kind of interesting about the rudeness of this exec. So there may have been something in the tone or, you know, maybe there's something happening that's been happening over and over that makes this makes them feel like yeah. the, the exec is just rude or maybe it's just the personality of that yeah. of that person could be could be they could be rude they could be not respectful of the design process and you have to find then e- either kind of suck it up and go well rude person not my fault or if you really need to get them on board then start finding out what they care about and showing them that you're delivering on that metric so you start getting treated better gotcha yeah that's a good point. Both of those rude person, not my problem. Yeah. (laughs) Don't take it personally. Yeah. We've all had them. Yeah. 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 Those moments or those people that we had to work with. (laughs) Both. Both. (laughs) People where they leave and you go, did that just happen? Did that person really just say that? Wow. Before I let you go, what are the ways people can connect with you or follow you? So LinkedIn is the best way to find me. I'm Morag Johnston, M-O-R-A-G, last name Johnston, J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N. And that's the best way to find me on LinkedIn. I also have a website, moragjohnston.com. I'm on Instagram as moragj, where you can see a lot of photos of quilts I'm working on and flowers from my garden (laughs) and any other personal projects I've got going. Excellent. All right. Thanks so much. This has been really, really interesting. And um, I really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. This was... This was fun. Thanks so much. You can find links to the resources we discussed and more on the show notes page at uxcake.co. Do you have a question or situation you'd like to get expert advice on? Send it to us at uxcake at amplifyalliance.com or connect with uxcake on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate it and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you use. And wherever you listen to uxcake, please subscribe so you don't miss a bite. And as always, thank you for joining me today for a slice of UX cake.